Hi, this is Derek from Atlanta. Unlike Bob, I am a former law enforcement officer, but I still enjoy listening to a practical show by a practical guy. You're listening to the Handgun World Podcast. Hi folks, I'm Bob Main. Welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. A practical show done by a practical guy. That is me. I keep this show rooted in common sense. And this is all about a regular guy believing strongly in his Second Amendment rights and his right to be prepared. And that certainly is me. So this is uh, Sunday, April 17th. I mean, not April, May. Sunday, May 17th. 2020 when this is being released and uh, I've got a few subjects I want to talk about today buying your first gun because a listener recently sent me an email so I have some a good response and some thoughts about buying your first gun then I want to talk a little bit about open carry Um, Ben Branham joins me to talk a little bit about open carry whether you should whether you shouldn't good idea bad idea or does it not make a difference in many states here in the United States open carry of a handgun is legal uh, and also open carry of long guns in some states and so we're going to talk a little bit about that and that's a short interview and then I am going to talk about the government dependence mindset uh, that seems to be going on so I'm going to finish up with some survival and prepping information as I love to talk about. I like to do what you can with what you have wherever you are and talk about the preparedness mindset with the current COVID-19 situation today. That seems to be such an incredibly popular topic because I I think a lot of people have woken up and something is going on and I'll tell you about what I think is going on in the world today as we finish up this episode. Remember, this podcast is sponsored by Concealment Solutions. I'm wearing a Concealment Solutions holster right now, a Cobra outside the waistband holster. It's about the only way I carry now, is outside the waistband. I rarely ever carry inside the waistband unless I'm going to appendix carry, and there are only certain guns that I have right now that I appendix carry, and when I do appendix carry, I use a keeper's holster. And I've had Spencer Keepers on this show before, but this show is officially sponsored by Concealment Solutions. ConcealmentSolutions.com. You can get a 10% discount just by being a Handgun World podcast listener. And guess what? Guess what the, what the coupon code is? Handgun World. That's the coupon code to get a 10% off discount. Also, on my YouTube channel, if you follow me and watch me on YouTube, i got some good videos out there recently I've put a lot out there handgun world on YouTube you'll find me put in handgun world podcast in the search bar also you can you can get a 10% discount get the coupon code off the show notes underneath every video and also at modern handgunners Ben Branham and I do modern handgunners together modern handgunners on YouTube and modernhandgunners.com That's also sponsored by Concealment Solutions, and you can get the coupon code off of there. 
Get a great holster from them. I highly recommend them inside the waistband or outside the waistband. It really doesn't matter. They're American-made, great warranty, great service. Jason Christensen is just a fantastic guy in the firearms industry, and he sells mag holder horizontal mag carriers also, which I'm a big believer in as well. So check them out over there at concealmentsolutions.com. So let's dive right into the first topic of buying your gun or buying a handgun for the first time. Um, a listener, I can't pronounce the name here, Pompaston, I think, is uh, who sent it to me. Anyway, and I'm not going to read this word for word. I don't like doing this, but I'm going to do a lot of paraphrasing and, and kind of uh, summarizing here. He says he learned of my podcast from episode 75 of Prepping 2.0. I was on episode 75 of Prepping 2.0 with Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher a few weeks back. Check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, he also says that uh, I I got him interested in listening to Lloyd Bailey's Armed Lutheran Radio podcast. So good. Good. Lloyd's a fantastic guy. And it's a... It's a great program that I also listen to. So, Pompaston says he wants to purchase a handgun. Uh, He's been wanting to do it for a long time. And he wants to make his very first purchase. And uh, he says that he's heard on podcasts and he's read often about how it's important when you make your first purchase of a handgun to test them out, to go to a range and rent and I've said that many, many times. Go to a range, rent a handgun, several of them, four or five of them, before you make your final decision. It's worth the money. It's worth the time to spend renting them. And he said um, he wanted to know if that was a bad idea to make a gun, make a, a gun purchase without renting. Okay, I'll say that again. Is it a bad idea? Basically, he's asking me, is it a bad idea or... You know, what if he cannot do it? What if he simply can't get to the range, rent five or six of them, and uh, and try it out before? And uh, he also asked me a question about some instructors, which I'm going to answer here in a little while. So, the last thing he asked me, he says, over the years I've read that Glocks just work. Apparently they're reliable, utilitarian, one of the tools in your toolbox. That's what I'm looking for. So I was glad to hear again this time from episode 75 of Prepping 2.0 that a Glock is good for a new owner. Basically, he asked, what is it that uh, he should do? So I'm, he says he feels like making a purchase soon. Okay. And there's a couple of other questions that I am going to answer as well. Let's start with that one. You know, if you cannot rent guns first... This is what I would recommend that you do. I would recommend that you at least go to the gun store and try them out by dry firing at the gun store. Most gun stores will allow you to do that. Or if you got a friend with a gun that is interested in, in the one that you're interested and a friend of yours has it, go contact your friend and dry fire. Please be safe when you dry fire. Please double and triple check. Make sure the gun is not loaded. Take the magazine out before you uh, do anything. Then double and triple check to make sure the chamber is empty before you dry fire anything. And don't point that gun at anybody or anything 
that you don't want to destroy even when you're dry firing. So at least dry fire and handle the gun to see if it fits your hand basically. Now I would say don't worry so much about grip angle. Don't worry so much about you know how the gun feels. Make sure that it fits your hand. There's a big difference. You know Paul Carlson and myself we did an interview couple of years back, I think, Paul Carlson, the host of the Safety Solutions Academy, we did a show on the difference between handgun fit and handgun feel. Big difference there, handgun fit and handgun feel. I'll put a link to those podcasts in the show notes if you want to go listen to those. Those are older episodes that I did, interviews with, with Paul Carlson. He's got a good show too, Safety Solutions Academy. So, I would recommend doing that at the gun store, trying them out. And if you really need to make a purchase now, and you can't go actually live shoot those guns, I would say stick with a gun that is either used by local law enforcement or carried by a common military unit. But mostly I would... I would go with what local law enforcement carries. Here's why. I'm not saying that law enforcement's always right when they pick a gun because sometimes they they only pick it based on budget. That's it. However, um, reliability is important to law enforcement units and also military units. And reliability is the most important thing that you can... most important piece of criteria you can use to pick a, a defensive handgun, in my opinion. Reliability is where it's at. you got to have reliability. I mean, there's just no substitute. Would you agree? There's no substitute for reliability. I don't care how the gun fits. I don't care how the gun feels. I don't care if it's the greatest gun ever invented since sliced bread. If it's not reliable, if it doesn't work, if it doesn't go bang when you need it to right now because the situation is desperate, you got to save your life right now. Or the lives of a loved one with you. Right now. You need the gun to go bang. If it's a revolver, that's fine. Carry, buy and carry a revolver. Most of the time, probably 98% of the time, they're going to go bang right now. That's what you need. So with that in mind, local law enforcement, a lot of them carry Glocks. A lot of them carry M&Ps. Some Sig three uh, Sig P three twenties, I believe. Okay, that'd be a good place to start. And there's another reason why I think those would be a good place to start. I I absolutely uh, am a big advocate of nine millimeter compact handguns for first time gun buyers. As I said over at Prepping two the reason being, and here's why: because even if you don't like the gun, they're easy to resell. Okay. And this is what I hope to prevent if you can rent the gun. But if you can't, if you can't rent them before you buy them, at least get something that's going to be easy for you to resell and you'll get most of your money back. I mean, Glocks are incredibly easy to resell. M&Ps are real easy to resell. Sig P320s are going to be pretty easy to resell because they're such popular guns. Um... More obscure guns are going to be harder for you to resell. 9mm is an incredibly popular caliber these days. 
So it's probably going to be easy for you to resell a 9mm service handgun or compact handgun, even if it's a small single stack gun. Even if you buy a, a shield or if you buy a Sig P365 or if you buy a Glock 43 or 43X, those are going to be easy guns for you to sell if you don't like them. That's the most important thing. Well, not the most, but one of the most important considerations you can also give when you're making a choice. So if you don't like it, you know, it's not too difficult. Or to trade. Uh, dealers like to take those guns in on trade because they know that they're easy for them to resell. Um, plus, you know, there's a huge, there's a huge aftermarket for guns that, that law enforcement and military are carrying. Um, and, and those three brands, I would say, Glock, Smith & Wesson, and Sig, there's a big aftermarket for those. I mean, who, here's an example. Who does not make a holster for a Glock? Who does not make a holster for a Smith & Wesson M&P? Who does not make a holster for a Sig P320 or a P365? I mean, just about everybody does. So you can find holsters, you know. You can find sights for those guns easily. If you want to even change out the trigger, let's say you buy it and you really do like the gun, but you want to make a few modifications. There are lots of parts and things, aftermarket parts, okay. Even if you settle on a 1911, um, that would not be my first choice. I don't hate 1911s, but that would not be my first choice. But even if you do, lots of 1911 parts. And everybody makes holsters for 1911s, right? Everybody does. Everybody has sights for 1911s. As you know, over the years I've talked about, I'm not a great fan of, of guns with grip safeties and thumb safeties that you have to you know, disengage before you have to use your gun right now when split seconds count. But if that's your choice, you're for a first-time gun buyer, I'm not quite sure I would recommend that. But even if you go that route, it's not too difficult to resell a 1911. It's pretty easy to find holsters for 1911. It's pretty easy to find parts for 1911s that, in case you want to modify it. So that's my recommendation on that. This was a fantastic email that was sent to me. And he also asked the question, is there a resource to be the equivalent of handguns for dummies or ammunition for dummies? Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of my older podcasts. <laughs> I was a dummy back then. <laughs> um, still are, right? I, I mean, I still am. I'm still a dummy, right? People say, Bob, you're still a dummy. Um, my earlier shows, folks, I, you know, I was, I was kind of green and and new to this and so if you go back and listen to some of the earlier podcasts of of the handgun world podcast just go to handgunworld.com i think you can find yeah you should be able to find everything at handgunworld.com you can stream it off stream all those episodes off of the website you gave me a good book idea too um it's kind of something i've been putting in the back of my head but there are a lot of them out there and uh, just just ask a lot of questions to people. I'm not quite so so sure you need to go out and buy a book on on handgun for dummies, handguns for dummies. Just start asking a lot of questions, and and learning that way. Listen to a lot of podcasts, watch a lot. Be careful on YouTube, but also check out my YouTube channel because you'll find a lot of good information on there for new gun owners and also at Modern Handgunners. 
lot of good resources out there if you're brand new to this. And he also asked me a question about picking out an instructor. And, uh, you know, just, just be careful when you pick out an instructor. One of the best things I think you can do when you pick a firearms instructor is check out the reviews. And they don't always have to have a positive review. I mean, a lot of people put negative reviews just because they don't agree with uh, something that a customer, that an instructor teaches. It doesn't mean that's a bad instructor. It just means that somebody didn't agree with them. But find somebody that has a lot of reviews because it means most likely that somebody, uh, a lot of people took their class. And if a lot of people are taking the class, you have better odds of them being a pretty good instructor. I'm not saying it's for sure that they're a good instructor, but you got a better chance. You know, for example, uh, if if you, if somebody's got like you know 50 reviews and only three are negative, well, I have 47 positive reviews out of 50. That's that's pretty good. And by the way, also, if somebody, if you're looking at reviews of an instructor, make sure that they allow negative reviews. I would be careful of an instructor that does not allow negative reviews. Like if they delete them, you know, and everything you see is positive. There's no way. If there's an instructor out there worth their salt, and he or she are teaching a lot of people, they're going to get some negative reviews. And, you know, I mean, if you look at my podcast reviews, by the way, if you've never left a review on iTunes and you use iTunes, go over to iTunes and and, and rate this show and write a review if you don't mind. You're not going to see all positive reviews on iTunes. You're going to see some negative reviews. And not everybody agrees with me, and they shouldn't. And uh, you shouldn't agree with everything that an instructor teaches you as well. You do need to think outside the box and think on your own, but you need to get some basics from instructors as well. So this was a great email. Thank you for sending this to me. Uh, I appreciate it very much. And this was uh, these were good topics here. If some of you have something to add to this, please feel free to call into my voicemail. 210-646-1727 is the phone number 2106461727 I've received a fair amount of voicemails and I will answer and address that voicemail on the Handgun World podcast try to keep it down to less than a few minutes okay uh just a quick break and I'll be back for the next segment okay back with you for segment 2 so how do you carry your gun Do you open carry or conceal carry? Inside the waistband, outside the waistband. Let's talk a little bit about open carrying. Many states allow open carry. Some have for a long time. Some are relatively new. I am not a huge fan of open carry. I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. But when I say I'm not a big fan of open carry, I also believe that you have the right to do so. And that you should have the right to do so. I don't think that you should be able to be stopped from open carrying, you have a legal right to do it. You have a constitutional right to do it. Because the Second Amendment says that we have a right to keep and bear arms. Bear arms, meaning meaning that you can carry arms. And it doesn't say you have a constitutional right to conceal carry. It doesn't say that. It says that you have the right to bear arms. So, any state in the United States that prohibits you from open carrying, I think, is violating a portion of your Second Amendment right. That is 
my opinion. And by the way, I found this old book in my office. I got to tell you about this old book. I found this as I was going through some things. This old book is a small pamphlet that says the Constitution of the United States. <laughs> and it's an old book, you know. Um, 46 page small pamphlet. It's not very long. Uh, people treat it as an old book, but I think it's one of the best books out there that's ever been written. Um, and it's still relevant today and should be even more relevant today as people are tearing up and throwing away the Constitution. Politicians are doing that. And here's the big problem we have is not only are politicians throwing away the Constitution, but Americans are continuing to vote for politicians that have been throwing away the Constitution for years. I just don't get that. I mean, I just... You know, that's the biggest thing that's that's a that's a surprise to me. And I'm I'm gonna save some of this for for the third segment of this show, but that's the biggest surprise is that Americans continue to support politicians throwing away their constitutional rights. From both sides. From all side actually from all three sides of the political spectrum. Democrat, libertarian, or republican. Yes, even libertarians, some of the libertarian uh, politicians out there during this whole COVID-19 thing, some of them have even surprised me with their reversal on some of their positions. But try not to make this show too political, but but I had to mention that. So I hope this old book makes a comeback, this old book called The United States Constitution. I hope it really makes a comeback. So Ben Branham and I, we got together recently. Ben Branham is the host of the Modern Self-Protection Podcast. You need to listen to that. ModernSelfProtection.com We have a joint venture going on. A couple of them. One of them is called Modern Handgunners. And once a week now we're putting up videos at ModernHandgunners.com and also on the YouTube channel called Modern Handgunners. I'll put a link in the show notes. And we recently... So go subscribe. Go subscribe to that YouTube channel. We did a podcast, we did a video, excuse me, did a video on open carry and what we generally think of it. I'm going to go ahead and play the audio for you right now. So here we are talking about very recently about open carrying. Welcome to Modern Handgunners, everybody. I'm Bob Main from the Handgun World Podcast, and joining me. I'm Ben Branham with the Modern Self-Protection Podcast, and we are the Modern Handgunners. We are here to talk about open carry today, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the questions that we got. And the reason we're talking about that, I put a post on Facebook a few days ago. I saw an open carrier. It was the first time I had seen somebody open carrying probably in about two years, maybe shortly after the open carry was allowed here in Texas. That was the last time. So... My wife and I, we went to a restaurant for curbside food pickup, and uh, as we're waiting for them to bring out our food, a guy walks out of the restaurant, because uh, he picked up his food, and uh, he had on this big FDE Glock in a, in a thigh rig holster, it looked like it was probably a Glock 17 or 22, and they had two spare magazines on his belt on his left side, and I thought, wow, I haven't seen that in a long time. It's legal here in Texas, but not many do it. 
No, they just it was a big fad for a while. I see it more often. I've, it's been more than two years since I've seen one. No, hasn't been that long. It seems like it's been two years because I'm stuck at home with COVID crazy. But I don't know. I used to see somebody out open and carrying, you know, once a month or so. Once really? Every two or three weeks. Yeah, and it just wasn't a big deal for me. And it, I would always do a double take. Are they a cop or not? And they just didn't really bother me. It just, it's weird to see the first couple times, right? The first time you're like, what the heck? Well, and I, and that's what is. I thought. That's what I thought when I saw this guy. I thought, well, maybe he's a cop. And then I realized, no, no, no. I can tell if someone is police officer or not. And uh, uh, most of the cops are not carrying in a thigh rig, first of all. Most of them are not carrying flat, dark earth Glocks either. Um, and then when I got back into my truck, I thought... I kind of thought, you know, his face is familiar. He might be somebody that you and I have uh, gone to a competition match and shot with there. The gun world's a small world. <laughs> Could have ran into him anywhere, gun show or gun shop or yeah. match or class or any of that stuff. But Who knows? Hey, so we thought we'd talk about the questions you, that other people have. You've got a specific question, and, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the open carry. You know, what is it, and does it really matter, and is it really happening? we got all these things, right? Yeah, let's talk about my specific question. So a listener or a viewer named Jeff, he sent me an, an email uh, just this morning, and he said, hey, Bob, he said, you know, I've heard it people say a thousand times that the open carrier might be the first guy to get shot if something starts going down somewhere. He said, do you believe that to be true, and do you have any evidence of that, or do you have any cases? And and I thought about it, and I responded to him. I said, you know, Jeff, you got a good point. I, I've i never seen any evidence of that. Uh, I, it's, it's, everybody says it, but I'm not so sure if it really is true or not. What do you think? I think this is the great part about the Internet today that we all can learn this stuff and we don't have to actually just pontificate or try to figure it out. Yes, that it was the prevailing knowledge for the last 10 years. If you're open carrying, you're going to be the first one to shot. You know, the restaurant gets held up and somebody's just going to shoot you. And it kind of comes from law enforcement and security guards. We know that it has happened to law enforcement and it has happened to especially security guards. I even know of a first-time account where the bank was a takeover robbery and the manager was trying to get the security guard that runs their complex attention and it was an armed security guard and the guard didn't get it and walked in the bank and got shot in the back of the head oops so yeah yeah, that was horrible and that was years and years ago but so we know it does happen when it comes to security and law enforcement but i have yet to find a case where it's happened to an open carrier so we keep a civilian open carrier you mean yeah and then it's it's civilian, civilian cops, but somebody that's not in law enforcement or the military that's open carrying a firearm mm-hmm. has, or a security guard, that somebody's just going about their business open carrying. Yeah, I haven't heard of one yet. doesn't mean it won't happen. doesn't mean it hasn't happened. It means that it's not happening as prolific, <laughs> That's not a good <laughs> word. It's not happening as much as, as often, yeah. As, as everybody said it would, right? Because hap- they said it would happen all the time. You know, if you're there and something happens... You're going to be shot first, and then they'll go about their business. Well, it just hasn't happened yet. So on that one, the the jury's still out on that one. We'll have to see with a couple more open carriers getting involved. Like, you just have to have 
what's the odds of somebody that's open carrying being there when a restaurant or a bank or Seven uh, Eleven or something starts to get robbed? You know, so we just don't see a lot of that happening right now. So I'm not sure if, on the other hand, you know, the complete opposite of that is that people say that opening open carrying will deter crime. And so, don't know, Some but do. when open carry first started, there was a really big case about a restaurant. A couple guys open carrying just as a group in there, and a bunch of bad guys walked in, went, oops, guns, and walked out. And, well, these weren't very good bad guys, because uh, they sucked because they get caught by the cops, and actually kind of all, it all got ferreted out what happened and why they didn't do it. So, not the genius bad guys. If you uh, start to commit a crime, and then you stop, and you don't commit the crime, and you still get caught for the crime, not the yeah. most genius bad guy. No, so. it's not. You're not the most genius bad guy. Well, I want to say, and you might differ, Ben, but I want to say, first of all, I don't really advocate open carry. Uh, it is legal in many states, not every state, but it's it's legal. Here in Texas, it's legal. I'm not really going to suggest that anybody do it. I'm not going to do it. Uh, and there's other reasons why I don't want to do it. I just don't feel like I need to advertise that I'm carrying a firearm. But if you want to do that, if you want to open carry, then it's perfectly legal and within your right in in many states. What do you think? If you want to do it, you should totally do it. Uh, we'll go, our second half of this video is going to be some caveats on, you know, some things that you should probably do. But actually, I like to open carry in big groups. I worked for the gun shop for a long time. Most of us open carried there. It wasn't a big deal. Went to gun shows and stuff. I like to open carry do that. In big groups, I don't mind it because I'm not the only one. But as just me, when I go about my daily life, I don't open carry. And I, we have some friends in the firearms industry that do open carry every day. As yes, a we do. Of advocacy. I can say big words today, I promise. <laughs> as a matter of ad advocacy to show that the second amendment is there and we don't harp on him for it. And we don't, you know, he does the couple caveats that we say that you should do when you open carry. And he, you know, he talks to everybody about it. He's out there actually talking to people about the second amendment and open carrying and right to carry and all that stuff. So that's kind of cool, but I still don't do it. I like the tactical advantage of being able to have my tactical patience or wait your turn, as John Correa says, and not people not knowing that I'm carrying. The other one is Me too. my it's my absolute nightmare that I'm carrying with some people that know I'm carrying or I'm open carrying or whatever. Something happens, and I decide I'm going to wait a minute to see what happens, and somebody's yelling, Ben, Ben, shoot him. You got a gun, shoot him, and pointing at me and have the bad guy you know, look at me, and now it's, uh oh <laughs> I, mean, I, I guess that could be a disadvantage of open carry right there. That's what I'm kind of more afraid of on the open carry. And that, I mean, that's, again, we're just kind of pontificating here of what could happen. Right, we, we don't have any evidence of this. We're guessing. It's a complete guess. Yeah. So, you know, that's my worst nightmare of the open carry thing. And that's one of the big reasons I don't do it. When it first happened here in Texas, and I worked at the gun shop, I, I tested it out a bunch. I'd go get lunch. I'd go. I went places after... Because I was working at the gun shop when the law passed, and I was like, hmm, well, let's see what happens, you know? Every time I went someplace with the gun shop, I would throw on a vest. I had a shoot-me-first vest, and I'd throw <laughs> that on and hide my gun, and then I'd go get lunch for the crew or I, on my way to work and on my way home and stuff. And after that, I was like, let's see what happens. The vest was still in the car with me, but I wanted to see what happened 
when I open carried. So I went to lunch and open carried a couple times, and it wasn't a big deal. I saw some big, some people go ah with their eyes and they see the gun and then they then they relax. But it really wasn't that big a deal. Now, you talked about the shoot me first vest, and there's another myth that not really a lot of people can prove that one either. Uh, but I don't want to get too far off subject. Here's what I'll say about open carry. Here in Texas, when did they pass that? 2016 or 2017? Whatever, doesn't matter. What happened shortly after, a lot of people don't like it. They don't like open carry, especially business owners. Business owners don't want people walking in their business with guns exposed. So all of a sudden, 30-07 signs went up anywhere. For people that are not from Texas, the 30-07 sign is the specific sign here that prohibits open carry. They went out everywhere. As a matter of fact, it was causing some businesses to put both the 30-07 and the 30-06, prohibiting both open carry and concealed carry. Did you notice that? Yeah, and I think that happens everywhere the law changes. That it, People just, they never thought about it before, and now it's on the news that it's yes. open carry is legal, and now they're thinking about it. So now they need to figure out something. We have to do something, right? We always have to do something. On the other hand, um, the 30-07, where it just makes it illegal to open carry in your spot, I'm kind of with that. If you have a business that wants to curtail to everyone, Mm -hmm. there is a lot of sheeple out there that are going to be scared out of their mind when they see a gun, and they're going to freak out. And they won't want to come to your your establishment. And I even think it worse than that. We've had it happen where people have been swatted, for lack of a better term, where they call 911 on the legal gun owner. And then the cops have to show up, and depending on what that person said, the cops are either going to show up just to say, hey, what's going on, or they're going to show up with five or six deep, and they're all got rifles and vests on when they come into your establishment. Nobody needs that. Nobody wants that. Exposures. Yeah, so that's a problem. Um, There was the one guy, it was a Walmart, and I can't remember where. He was legally open carrying, went into the place, and somebody tackled him. Actually, he was concealed carrying. Somebody saw his gun, and the other guy tackled him, thought he was going to be a hero. And then there was a fight over the gun. Um, well, if you fight me over my gun, I'm going to kill you. You're so, going to, yeah. <laughs> that's horrible, horrible. So all of these horrible things can happen when they find out. And, you know, the last one that we actually have evidence for that it's actually happening right now that most people didn't think of, and honestly, when Open Carry started, I didn't think this was going to be a problem, is that people are stealing their guns. Uh-huh. Like you're open carrying, walking around with your gun, and somebody else walks up and sticks a gun in your face and says, "Give me your gun." Right. They're robbing you for your gun. For your gun. So, yeah, that can then, happen. I, you know, at first it happened like once, and then it happened twice, and now it's happening almost with regularity. So I would say, for nothing else, you know, unintended consequences. Here we go. You know, if you open carry, you actually make yourself a target for some of these dirt bags that want a gun because you've got one. They can see it. They figure they can get it. So not maybe the best of ideas. Like I said, that one I was totally wrong about. I would have never guessed, but it's happening. So there's another reason that I don't want to open carry, especially if I have my family with me. I don't want to make myself more of a target for a bad guy that wants, and if they know I'm armed, he's got a gun. He's not just holding a knife or he's not just sitting there, hey, give me all your give me your wallet or I'm going to punch you in the face kind of thing. No, he's got a gun, and he's got a gun in your face. I remember the case when this first happened. The guy was carrying a Walter P380 around without one in the chamber. And the guy came up and asked him, hey, that's a nice gun. What type is it? Blah, blah, blah. 
and then he pulls out a gun and says, give me your gun. So, yeah. You mean he was a, like a Walther PPK? Is that what it was or something like that? Uh, the PK-380. Oh, the PK-380, kind of yeah. Bigger yeah. version. But I, I just remember that story. It stuck out because it was the first one that happened. And I was like, oops. Well. Hmm. Yeah. Who would have yeah. thunk that, right? Yeah, well, guys don't think who like would have? Th- they don't think like we do. That's true. And you and I learned that at TACCON a couple of years ago, um, when uh, uh, Doctor April, right? Yeah, yeah, William April. William April. Yeah. To listen to him, he's scary. Yeah. But all he does is deal with bad guys. Yeah, it's all he does is do that. Yeah. So getting back to the first question, you know, I guess there's not really a lot of hardcore evidence that you're the guy going to get shot first if you're open carrying, but you seem to draw unnecessary attention to yourself that maybe you don't want to draw to yourself. And then the business owners. The business owners, they get scared. As soon as the open carry is allowed, they get frightened. They start to throw up signs. They start to prohibit guns where they didn't used to prohibit guns before. Now they do it. So those are some negatives. What kind of positives do you see of open carry? Well, like our friend Paul that advocates for it, they get to actually start conversations about guns. Hey, can you legally do that? Yeah. You know, yeah. everybody can. It's it's a right. It's in the Constitution of the United States. And then you start conversations. When you go out in large groups, I this is my belief. I can't fact it yet. But if you go out in large groups and you're all open carrying, if you go into a restaurant and there's five of you open carrying, you're going to deter crime because there is a bunch of people with guns there. I just So I think there's some good things that can come from open carry. Honestly, right now for me, the negative outweighs the good. So I don't do it typically. There's very few times that I'll do it. I mean, going to the range. I know you and I go to the range every once in a while, and you'll open carry going to the range. But you're going going to the car. range. Yes. Yeah, you're going from your house to your car. Oh, and you park in the drive in the garage, and then you'll put or I'll come pick you up, and you just jump in the truck with your open carry. So you went from the house to the car, and then you went from the car to the range and back again. Right. So yeah, not that big a deal. Nobody ever sees it. But that's a uh, that's kind of cool that the law is that way, so you don't have to. You know, it's legal, so you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to be a pain in the butt to make sure you cover up and stuff. And we don't have to worry about violating the law because, you know, somebody saw it. Yeah. Well, I'll throw in a positive. There's one positive about open carry. Uh, I'll use Texas where we are here as an example. So when they passed open carry and made it legal, you don't have to worry so much about your gun printing. Because you're not really breaking a law if your gun prints. If, If you're trying to conceal... And your shirt happens to fly up or something like that, and people can see your gun. It's 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 much less consequential than it was when we did not have open carry. Yeah, I like that law change. When I first started carrying here in Texas, it was severe consequences. It was uh, almost a felony, lose your license if you were made while you were carrying. Right. And it didn't say like not an anymore. average person. It it was like if anybody can can seize you and identifies your gun you're committing a class c or class a misdemeanor which is like one year in prison and you lose your license so there was a lot of severe penalties for oops your gun got exposed yeah and then it lessened a little bit and then it lessened a little bit and now with open carry if i bend over and my gun comes exposed well now i'm just open carrying i'm no longer concealed carrying correct so not big deal, no violation of the law. That is a really cool one that most people don't see. Yes, you're not. What's the odds of you getting messed with on that by a cop? Probably pretty low, 
But if you do have the one cop that's having a really bad day, and then you just piss him off, and he decided that he was going to take you to jail for that, it could really screw up your life. It could so I, cause you I, some I, inconvenience, yes. <laughs> I don't like the laws that are just, well, you know, nobody's ever going to enforce that. What if somebody does somewhere, and it just screws over somebody's life? So any right. of those laws that are just on the books like that one should go. Um, we had one here in San Antonio about no folding knives longer than two inches or something like that. That's I forget gone. what the law was, but it's gone. So, yeah, that stuff. And our cops are like, well, I'd never enforce that. But all you need is that one. All you need is the one really to do it. Screw yeah. up your life and screw up your day and screw everything up. So That's true. Anyways. Okay, to wrap this that's up. That's a really good point. Yeah, it is a good We're going we're gonna to do a part two, everybody. Everybody watching and listening, we're going to do a part two. So check the uh, check this YouTube channel or uh, this podcast to find part two. Yes, we're going to talk about some of our gear and things like that. Before we go, Ben, a few minutes ago, you mentioned an old book. An old book. And I found one of these old books in my office, the United States Constitution. And it people are throwing this out like it's trash these days, aren't they? I mean, it's sad. It's sad. I, I've read this old book several times, and uh, I'd suggest you read it. You'd be surprised what is in there and what is not in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope that you benefited and learned from that. Again, check us out at Modern Handgunners on YouTube, and subscribe to that channel. And over at my own channel, my own YouTube channel, Handgun World Podcast. Got a lot of good information up there at YouTube, so go check that out and subscribe over there. You know, by the way, if this show that I do here, if this helps you, if if you get a great benefit from the Handgun World podcast every week, uh, could you do me a favor? Would you please support the support this show, support my show and my channel? You know, there's a couple of ways that you can do that. A lot of you buy things on Amazon these days, especially these days while we're in the COVID-19 crisis. Go to handgunworld.com first and just go through my Amazon link. I have an affiliate link. And if you just click that first, it's not going to cost you any extra money or anything. You're not going to have to sign up for anything. It's totally free. But that gives me a little bit of credit for what you buy on Amazon. It helps me out and it helps uh, pay some of the bills associated with this show. The other is Ben Branham and I do a, a, a video series called The Shooters Club. It's a membership site. It's a paid membership site, only $8 a month. Think about that. It's like you know, $0.15 cents a day or something like that. I don't know if my math is completely correct. Here is it. Here, $8 a month, 30 days. I'm sorry, $0.26 cents a day, you know, something like that. It's easy, and you get over 80 videos, you know, so think about that. Eight bucks a month, you're getting 80 videos. Very good instructional videos. Spencer Keepers is on there. Masada Yub is on there. Brent Yamamoto is on there. He recently interviewed with me about pistol gunfighting. Uh, some audio podcasts with John Payne and Glenn Tate from Prepping 2.0. They're over there at the Shooters Club giving good information. Of course, Ben Branham and I. So you can get signed up for that for as little as 8 bucks a month. Check it out at ShootersClubMembers.com. That's ShootersClub, 
members.com. Again, a link will be in the show notes and on my website at handgunworld.com. All right, so let's talk about government dependence or actually less government dependence. So this is kind of the modern survival prepping portion of of this episode uh, that I like to do. Do what you can with what you have wherever you are. That's my philosophy for survival and, and modern day preparedness. I am shocked. I am shocked by people that are so-called preparedness-minded people. That on my Facebook page and even commenting on some of my videos, they are saying and basically criticizing me for being positive during this COVID-19 crisis. I mean, here's what I mean. I like to put out the numbers of people who have recovered. About once or twice a week, I like to put out the numbers, the official numbers. Normally, I get it from the CDC or uh, from a couple of other decent sources about the number of people who have successfully recovered from COVID-19. Yes, yes, you you can recover from this Wuhan Chinese virus. Oh, 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 what did I just say? I I just called it, oh my God, I just called it the, the Wuhan Chinese virus. You know what, folks? We have a First Amendment right in this country. And by the way, guess where this virus was originally found? In Wuhan, China. We have a uh, we have a city ordinance here in San Antonio now calling that hate speech. So what I just did, San Antonio is now calling that hate speech. For those of you who don't know, I'm in San Antonio, Texas. I'm a Yankee with a gun. I was born in New York City, raised most of my young life in Wisconsin. I call Wisconsin home, but now I live in the great gun-friendly state of Texas, San Antonio to be exact. And there's a city ordinance here. Saying that you can't say that. So, well, I just said it. So, so there you go. But I'm surprised at the number of people called survivalists and preppers that want to be government dependent. They want more government control. And they're happy. Some of them are actually happy that, that all these restrictions are being imposed on us. Now, here's my philosophy on this. Uh, I, believe, I believe, for example, uh, in wearing a mask when I go out in public. Uh, I'm going to do it because... Because I want to do everything I can to protect not just myself, but protect other people as well. But I want to make the choice. I want to make the choice of wearing a mask. I don't want government mandating and telling me that I have to wear that mask. I don't want government mandating and telling me I have to stay home. Not anymore, okay? We've done it. We flattened the curve. There's plenty of ventilators for everybody. There's plenty of masks for everybody that go to the hospital. The hospitals are not, most of them are not overrun like they were. They're not overcrowded. There's hospital beds if somebody needs one. I don't want anybody to get this virus. I don't want anybody to die from this virus. If you do get this virus, there's treatment available. And there's a place, there's a hospital for you to go to. And there's medical professionals that are, that are available. We accomplished the goals of the lockdown, folks. Remember what they told us? We've got to flatten the curve. We're afraid there's not going to be enough ventilators. We're afraid there's not going to be enough hospital beds. We've got to slow the spread. We did that. We did that. Now, some areas, it's still spreading. 
but I think we 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 slowed down the rapid rise. So now it should be Americans' choice. Or actually, it doesn't matter what country you live in. People from all countries listen to me. Uh, I'm flattered I have international listeners from Spain, from UK, from Australia, from the Philippines, from Canada, from Japan. I take a look at all the statistics, and that, that's where people are listening from. It's amazing. And I think that I think people should be given the choice. And you know what? I think most people are going to make a sensible choice, don't you? Don't you think that? I hope you do. People can police themselves. They can govern themselves, for the most part. I put a comment out on Facebook. Follow me on Facebook if you don't already. I put a comment uh, a few weeks ago. I said, you know, the whole government's response to this uh, COVID-19 situation, it's turning me into a libertarian. I never thought I would say that. I, you know, most of you know my political views are fairly conservative, but man, even some of my fellow conservative politicians have gotten carried away with their government restrictions. So, um, people can make their own decision. Who who wants to get sick? Nobody wants to get sick. Nobody wants to get sick, and especially with COVID nineteen, they don't want to get sick. So they're going to make intelligent decisions. People are going to realize what they have to do and don't do to uh, you know, prevent from getting this virus. Let the people decide. And, and especially in the United States, let the states decide what they want to do. And, if some, and by the way, some of these states are getting way carried away in these mayors and some of these county commissioners. Um, I really feel sorry for the over-restrictive, for the people living in over-restrictive areas where the, where the local government is getting over-restrictive. I think it was, uh, I think it was Tip O'Neill, Tip O'Neill, uh, a former Speaker of the House, many years ago, that said all politics is local. Boy, wasn't he right about that? Um, it is. Boy, now we, I think we're, we're all feeling, feeling the, uh, the effect of that, aren't we? Your local politicians, unfortunately, they get, some of them get drunk with power too, and they have, they have power, and they're getting carried away. I feel bad for you, but, you know, the majority of the people in your area voted for them. So hopefully maybe this will wake some people up, wake up some voters, and maybe they won't quite vote for some of these local politicians now because of the overreach of some of them. That's my hope. But people should be able to decide on their own. I think it's time. I think it's time to to really start to loosen up the res- the restrictions. I really do. And I'm surprised. Again, let me get back to my original subject of this segment. I'm surprised by the survival and preparedness people that are accepting these, this overreach of government. I don't get it. The basic tenet of being a survivalist and a, and a prepper is independence, right? It's independence. It's surviving on your own. It's less government independence and more, more reliance on, on God and yourself. In that order. Rely on God. And also rely on your own abilities. And your own preparedness. You guys know I'm a Christian. So you know what my beliefs are. God's first in my life. And I, I have. I'm never ashamed to say that. I'm a Christian. And I, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm also a believer in being prepared. Because I believe that a lot of my God-given skills that I have. 
I can put to good use to help me and my family. Even in business. You know, I've been a salesperson now 33 years, a pretty successful one. Wait a minute, longer than that, since 19, wow, since 1986, 34 years. And I've been very successful with it. I've been given some talents and I perfected those talents with a lot of good training over the years. And, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want to be dependent on government. Do you? So how, how can you really call yourself a prepper, a survivalist? And you're not relying on God and you're not relying on the skills he gave you, but you favor all this government control. It's just, it's mind-blowing to me. But these are unprecedented times. People are acting and thinking in a lot of ways that I never thought that they would act and think. I never imagined it. But, but now I'm seeing it. So... It's amazing. I think we're being prepared. I think we're being prepared. I think God Almighty is preparing for something pretty important that is going to happen in the relatively near future. And I'm not going to try to predict anything. I don't have a right to do that. I don't have. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say I'm one of these people that has visions or God talks to me and tells me what's going on. No, 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 no. That's not me. I'm not trying to be one of those people. But I can feel something. Something major is going to happen in the relatively near future. Here's my philosophy that I'm going to leave you with. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. I hope for the best. I still hope for a nice long life and and enjoy a nice retirement with my family. When it's time for me to do that, I hope I hope for that and I'm preparing for that. Okay? If it doesn't happen, I'm prepared for what I believe will happen and that I know where my eternal place is going to be. Now, if you don't share my beliefs, well, that's okay if you don't share my beliefs. I hope you don't quit listening to this podcast because uh, you don't share my beliefs about that. And I'm just going to say that that these unprecedented times are really revealing some crazy things. That's just amazing to me. It's really, really revealing some crazy things. And I have more to say about that next week, next Sunday. And I'm, I'm trying to get these, these shows out every Sunday like I used to do for many, many years. Every Sunday. And uh, i got more to say about that. But I'm going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. Uh, let me know what you think. Email me, handgunworld at gmail.com. Voicemail, 210-646-1727. Make a comment on Facebook. I always put a Facebook post out at Handgun World Podcast or at Bob Main Facebook page on every show. And uh, let me know what you think. I'd like to hear your your views and your thoughts and things like that, even on Twitter at Handgun World on Twitter. Okay, folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. I'm Bob Main, an everyday guy doing a practical show. And that is me. A practical guy. So remember, shoot straight, shoot safe, read your Bible every day, and I'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.